119. Psalm 119. It's just a short chapter in the Bible. So maybe we should stand and read the whole thing. What do you think? Huh? <laughs> I heard that, Miss Annette. We're going to make her stand and read the whole thing all by herself. Uh, 176 verses in this book, so we're not going to stand and read it today. Uh, but there's a few things that we want to look at. The book of Psalms, um, or the, the chapter 119 of Psalms, is about the Word of God. It's all about the Word of God. 176 verses, and every one of those verses have a reference to the Word of God. Just look at it, if you would. Uh, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the, what? Law of the Lord. There's a reference to the Word of God. Blessed are they that keep His, next word's a reference to the Word of God, testimonies, and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. See, there's several words there that uh, are referencing the word of God. Verse 6, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. We see precepts, testimonies, commandments, and uh, statutes, right? Uh, verse number 7, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous Another word, judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And so we use the word, word many times in reference to the Bible. We use the word scriptures. Uh, some of these other words, statutes and precepts, we don't use as much um, judgments. We understand that we're talking about the Bible here, amen? Psalm 119 is a chapter dedicated to to the Word of God. Now, it's divided into sections. Maybe your Bible, you see that there, but that's going through the Hebrew alphabet, and there's different sections. Now, the book of Psalms is a, a poetic book, and a lot of Hebrew poetry. It's all Hebrew poetry that we see through here. It doesn't all rhyme, necessarily, in English, but it's poetic. And uh, so we see there, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let not me wander from thy commandments thy word many of these passages we're familiar with thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against thee amen and blessed art thou O lord teach me thy statutes with my lips have i declared all the judgments of thy mouth i have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches we know in psalm 119 172 the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. If you had to choose between the Bible and a million dollars today, uh, which would you choose? I'm afraid that I'm afraid to put some people to that test. Okay? You know, the Bible is far more valuable than any kind of amount of money that we could have in our bank account. And uh, now we understand the value of Scripture, but do we. Do we value Scripture enough to do what the Bible says, to apply it to our lives? I think it's very important that we look at that today. I want to look at uh, an area of doubt, because many times the devil, if he can't take your soul, we've heard, we've heard it said if he can't have your soul, he's going to try to make you uh, bad, right? He's going to try to make you ineffective for the Lord. 
And one of the ways that the devil tries to get a, get a hold in our life is to wreck the relationship. Now, he can't take you away from God. Praise God for your salvation. You have eternal life. And uh, there's no need to worry about losing your salvation. But one thing that the devil can do and what he tries to do is he tries to get in between you and the Lord and he tries to ruin your relationship your fellowship with God because when you're out of fellowship with God not only are you a miserable Christian but you're an effective servant of the Lord and so what the devil does is he tries to cast doubt on the word of God because if he can get you to doubt the Bible and if you don't believe what the Bible is saying then you're not going to do what the Bible says you're not going to listen to God. Ultimately, that's what his, his word to us is in the scriptures. That's what he's commanding us. And if we don't listen to him, well, then we're out of fellowship with him. We talked a little bit about that in our Sunday school class. But um, let's pray this morning and we'll get into the Bible. Stay there if you would in Psalm 119. We'll go to other scriptures, but just keep your place there in Psalm 119. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we look to your Bible again for help. Lord, if it's not for the word of God, we have nothing. There's no other uh, truth that is, uh, that is pure. And uh, Lord, there is all kinds of ideas. There's all kinds of thoughts. But Lord, help us to stick to the truth. And I uh, pray that you'd help us this morning to be encouraged and uh, to do right and to continue going forward spiritually. And Lord, help us not to worry about what people think about us. Help us to uh, do the right thing. Help us to deal in truth to use the Bible and to find it as the greatest commodity that we could own and possess. Lord, we thank you for the Bible and uh, giving us direction and, 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 and uh, Lord, giving us uh, hope and uh, telling us what we need to know. And, Lord, I do pray that you bless this day in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I believe one of the oldest tricks that the devil uses is to get us to doubt God's word. The devil wants us to be unsure of God's commands or God's will for us. He wants us to be in the dark, going the opposite direction that God wants us to go. Now, the devil doesn't get our soul. Praise God for that. If you're saved, he doesn't get to have you. He doesn't get to have your soul for eternity. But he can try, and he does, he tries to ruin our relationship with the Lord and get us out of fellowship with him while we're here on the earth. The most wonderful relationship you can have is with God. Now the devil's going to try to deceive us and try to get us to look at other things and, and uh, find other things more important, and uh, sometimes it's that love of money. It's the love of money. We chase after uh, a job or chase after uh, money, career, things, whatever it is. Uh, the more monetary aspect where the devil says that's more important. He tries to get us to look to those things and have, uh, and have God's second place to money. And the Bible clearly tells us that you cannot serve God and money. It doesn't work. God has to be first. You might be saying, well, then those people that are uh, Christians that are millionaires, well, then they're in sin. We understand that possessing money is not a sin, and, and maybe possessing things is not a sin, but loving those things more than God is definitely a sin. Uh, God uses uh, people of means to, to help in the work of God. God uh, uses those people, so it's not necessarily a sin to have been blessed with uh, monetary blessing, but we got to be very careful. Those people are, are under a lot more pressure, I believe, to serve 
money than God. They got a lot more going against them in a sense, but God definitely can use uh, them. But we got to be careful that we're not serving money over God. Another area is, is the area of fear. Sometimes we fear man. We fear the, uh, what could happen to us. We fear uh, what could uh, become of us in our health or, um, uh, 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 or the future. What's going to happen with this coronavirus or uh, so be it. But uh, uh, what's going to happen? And we can fear that and at the same time, uh, allow that to become a God. You might be saying, well, I'm here in church this morning, Pastor, and I'm serving God. I'm putting God first. But if you're fearing what could happen to you, you're fearing your health situation or the future more than you're putting your trust in God, well, then that becomes a sin. Uh, the devil tries to get us to focus on other things, to ruin our fellowship with God and ruin that beautiful, wonderful relationship. I want to tell you, the most important relationship we can have is with God, and relationships are built on, do you know what the answer is? Relationships are built on what? Trust. You've heard that before. Uh, trust is very important. And uh, if the devil can get you to lose your trust in God and his word, the devil then is very happy. Because if you don't trust God, that's going to really hinder your relationship, isn't it? Uh, men have scoffed at the Bible, and men have laughed at it. Men have burned the Bible. Men have fought wars against the Bible. There's all kinds of things going on. Uh, but in some places in the world, it's a crime to even own a Bible. Yeah, I got this from the Christian Post. According to uh, the Heart Cry Missionary Society, the Saudi government, Saudi Arabia, a very much uh, a Muslim state, their government issued an official statement signifying that capital punishment, death, may be now used on those who smuggle Bibles into the desert nation, where the royal family upholds a strict Wahhabi brand of Sunni Islam. All sorts of things are being done, not just thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, against the Bible. Of course, we understand the Catholic Church fought a war <laughs> against uh, the the translation of scriptures and the printing of scriptures there has definitely been an, a, a battle fought there and it's still going on today uh you know don't carry your bible into the catholic church they're, they're never gonna have you open it okay it's, they don't say like we did this morning take your bible and turn to psalm 119 they're gonna say just listen to us as we quote scripture and explain to you what it means see the the bible is for you to read the Bible is for you to study, okay? It's not, I understand that some people go and, and, and pastors spend more time uh, getting an education in the Word of God. You know, I've known some laymen that actually know more about the Bible than some people that went to Bible college because they read the Bible and they studied the Bible for themselves and God gifted them in that way. So the Bible is not too complicated for you to understand. It's not even too complicated for my son Silas, who's six years old, to understand. He can start reading the Bible now that he's reading. And it's so exciting to see kids uh, uh, as you're driving down the road and you hear them start to read different road signs. Now there's some signs I don't want them to read. Okay, we've got to be careful about that. But you're like, wow, they're actually, they can read. They're not faking it. You know, my daughter, who is four, she wants to be like Silas in many ways. She can't read yet, and she's very competitive, and so I think she will start reading soon. But uh, she gets a book out, and she tries to read to my youngest, who's one. She tries to read to AJ, my son. 
And uh, she makes up a story, man. She's really creative. She's got a great imagination, but she can't read, okay? She could be an author, but she can't actually read the words on the page. And so she makes things up. But it's so awesome to see kids uh, start to get uh, the, 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 develop their reading ability. And they can, get, uh, they can get the Word of God now. Six years old, a child can read the Bible. He can hear the Bible spoken, quoted. A six-year-old can understand Scripture. You don't need me necessarily to just come and tell you everything that the Bible's saying. And my friend, we need to get into the Scriptures for ourselves and study the Bible out for ourselves. It's a very dangerous thing to not take your Bible into church. It's a very dangerous thing to not compare Scripture with Scripture and to, and to uh, hear what's being said. I'm not saying that we need to be critical and skeptical all the time of every, everything that's going on, but we should at least uh, be cognizant and aware that there's people that are going to interpret the Bible incorrectly. And we need to know what the Bible says. And, and, and of course, more importantly, we need to apply what it's saying, okay? It's not good enough just to know what it's saying. It's important that we do what it says. But we need to be aware there is a battle going on. There's, uh, in, in our lives as well as around the world, there's people that are trying to do away with the Bible. They made it illegal. And uh, they're going to make it illegal here soon. They will. They're going to take away your ability to buy a Bible, to purchase a Bible, to print a Bible. I'm not trying to say that it's scary, but what I want you to get is the point is, uh, you know, it's interesting that atheists get so mad at God when they don't even believe in God? Why is it that so many people have an issue with the Bible? They're not reading it. Why don't they want us to read it? What's the problem with that? And uh, why is it, uh, I, thought we, I thought it was, you know, live and let live. And you're okay and I'm okay. What you want to believe is okay and what I want to believe is okay. What's the problem with me owning a Bible or reading the Bible? Well, the, the issue is that the word of God is true and powerful, as the scriptures say. It's, uh, it's quick and powerful. It's alive. It's effective. Uh, uh, the Bible says that uh, his word will not return void. And uh, when the word is spoken, uh, when the word is read, it has power. It's effective. And we know the Holy Spirit is at work. And he uses the scripture. He teaches the scriptures to us. And he convicts people in our world about what the Bible is saying. And, uh, and, and just the virtue of the fact that we read it sometimes uh, it, it is convicting to people. You ever take your Bible into work? And now some people will say, well, praise God, I'm so glad that there's another Christian at my workplace, amen? Uh, but for the most part, you're going to have people say, don't bring that Bible near me. I don't want that thing at, uh, at my table. And you might even have people that will complain to your boss and say, that's wrong. That's, that, that they, they've got a book of hate speech. And uh, that's the, uh, another thing that's really ramping up right now. The Bible is the book of hate speech. In Scotland, they are trying to uh, outlaw Scripture. Believe it, Scotland, Europe, they're trying to get rid of the Bible because it's a book of hate speech. It doesn't co uh, coincide. Now, uh, of course, we understand there might have been uh, a very wicked agenda behind this, but there was uh, just some secular, worldly, fleshly people that were just wanting to write some laws against hate speech, and now they're saying, well, if we, uh, if we have this law... Well, that's not going to allow us to have the Bible. Kind of like an afterthought. Well, you know, I kind of wonder, maybe there was an agenda all along just to get rid of the Bible. That might have been the whole point of the law. 
But now they're saying, well, if we have this hate, anti-discriminatory, anti-hate speech law, well, then what the Bible's saying, we can, they don't exist. They can't coexist. You know, we've got all kinds of people that want to stick that coexist bumper sticker on their car. They really don't want to coexist with somebody that really reads and believes and lives the Bible. So all sorts of things have been done to destroy or ban the Bible. But the written word of God, as well as the living word of God, will abide forever. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is the truth. John 17, 17, just a few uh, chapters after 14, he said in his high priestly prayer, Jesus said, uh, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, amen. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. And see, my friend, a lot of people want to say, you're okay and I'm okay. But they really have a problem, even if it's okay with you to have the Bible. They may, they may just say, well, yeah, uh, they, they, they can have their truth. But at some point, that truth becomes very convicting when you're living the way God wants you to live. And you, you don't even have to even be uh, outspoken. Uh, about the word of God you just live what it says and that's convicting and so at some point there's going to be an issue uh, with the word of God in this country people are going to say that ah, we can't we can have every other kind of religion we can have every other kind of truth or belief so-called truth or belief but we cannot have the word of God because the Bible says it is the truth. It is the objective truth. It supersedes all truths. It corrects every other belief. It, 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 everything else has to fall in line with the Bible. And see, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. It's not wishy-washy. See, you can make anything else wishy-washy, but the Bible's not. It says it is is thy law is the truth. Psalm 119, 151. If you want to turn there, you can. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Not some of my commandments, not some of what you're saying is truth. All thy commandments are truth. It's all true. Psalm 119, verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. My friend, I sat down at City Hall about five years ago when one of the aldermen, to give you context of what was going on, they were bringing in a, a uh, anti-discriminatory, you can't counsel people into uh, their, uh, you know, coming out of being a transgender and that's illegal now, you know, you can't talk to minors about that, you can't counsel them out of that, you know, the uh, transition deal, right? And, uh, and probably actually what I'm saying right now from the pulpit, I could probably get fined $1,000 according to the ordinance here in the city of Milwaukee, but you're not allowed to... Um, to tell a minor or counsel a minor who is, want, who is a boy, they were born a boy and they're wanting to become a girl or they're considering becoming a girl or they are uh, questioning that, you can't sit down and say, well, now you're actually a boy. Did you know that? You're not a girl. And uh, God forbid... You were to say, you shouldn't be thinking even about being a girl because that's not sensitive. And that's not 
that's not okay because they are allowed to do whatever they want to do and you shouldn't stand in their way. And you shouldn't say anything against what they want to do. Uh, if they're a girl and they want to be a boy, well, you just got to stand back and just let them do whatever they want to do. Even though they themselves are confused as to what's going on, because this is a spiritual issue. See, this is not some biological... And actually, if, if we would just follow the biology and the, the true science, well, we would have to be honest and say, well, you're born a girl, so you shouldn't be a boy. And you were born a boy, so you shouldn't be a girl. And sometimes you understand that kids, because they're being bombarded with all this garbage philosophy that's coming down the pike through television and through uh, the school system and through peer pressure and through the internet and through social media and through uh, entertainment and those that are so-called the, uh, the elites and the ones that are supposed to be highly revered because they're movie stars and they know everything, right? And they're sports people and they, they just should be listened to. Everything they say should be followed and, and, and should be, be listened to. But, you know, they're being bombarded with all of this garbage and it's just hard enough to be a child and to be an adolescent and to go through puberty and go through all the changes that you're going through to have all these people saying things to you. It's going to be a hard time. And you need some adult and parental guidance. You need some uh, pastoral guidance. You need some biblical guidance. You need some uh, church help. And, and you need some counseling sometimes. But you know, that's not okay. Just got to let them do whatever. However the world's going to push them into the mold, just let it happen. No, my friend, you're still a parent. And you still have the authority to guide and direct your children to where you feel the Lord is guiding and saying that you should be raising those children up because, my friend, City Hall's not going to give an account to God how your children turn out. Well, we, we were sitting there, and we had an alderman, uh, probably 100-some pastors there, because they pushed this conversion therapy ban or whatever it was. They pushed that through at the last second. And uh, they did it by, you know, in the cloak of darkness. Little backroom meeting, you know. And uh, they had, of course, on the other side of the gallery, they had the LGBTQ. And by the way, God loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. And I don't care how messed up they are. God still loves them. And Jesus died for them too, just like he died for me. Because they, and they do, and I do, and you do, we all deserve the same fate. We're, we deserve it. But it's just interesting, of course, we had them over there, and their, uh, this was part of their interest. This was very important to them, you know, and they knew all about it. But we as pastors find out, I think, through the radio and things, last second, we're like, wow, what's going on here down at City Hall? They're about ready to push this ordinance through. They got lawyers involved and everything going on. And, and uh, you know, why is the city having to lawyer up? <laughs> because they're afraid they're going to get sued because they know what they're doing is wrong. Well, they're trying to appease a very small part of the community because it does coincide with the entire agenda that the devil has and the world's philosophy is to take things to this next level of anti-truth, anti-Bible. It's just part of what's going on. We understand that. But we have the Bible, and we have the truth, and we're supposed to be salt and light, and so we would be wrong if we didn't push back against what's going on, so we did show up. But there was an alderman that just kind of looked at us, and they were all shaking their heads, and like, I mean, 
You know, the pastors used to be respected in the community years ago. I understand that some pastors did a, uh, have, have hurt the reputation of, of all of us, right? But, you know, pastors that at least used to be respected. It used to be when you had problems in your house and with your children, when they had problems in the schools, they would many times go to the church and say, help us fix the problem here. But now they don't do that. Instead, they come and try to educate us on the Bible because we had an alderman there and he basically yelled at the pastors and he said, you know, you know, the Bible talks about homosexuality and stuff, but that's in the Old Testament. You know, that's kind of along there. It says you shouldn't be doing this kind of thing, you know, but that's along the same lines as you shouldn't eat shellfish and you shouldn't do this. And that's just Old Testament Levitical law. And uh, that's not really relevant to today. Now, I understand ceremonial law was for the Jewish people. That was for a time. There was, there was a need there. It was on purpose. But God's moral law doesn't change. It applied to the Jews. It applied to Moses. It applied to, uh, to, uh, to, the, uh, to all those that were... Uh, there in the wilderness who received the Ten Commandments and the laws of God. It applied to those in the tabernacle and the temple. And that was all God's law given to not just the Jews, but to all people. God's moral law doesn't change. And if it was wrong in the Old Testament, if it was a sin in the Old Testament to break that law, to, uh, to not... Uh, as the Bible says, for man to not lie with mankind or woman to lie with mankind or even a man to wear what pertains to a woman or a woman to wear what pertains to a man. Uh, you are supposed to, if you're God created you to be a man, you're supposed to be a man. If God created you to be a woman, you're supposed to be a woman. And that doesn't change. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Because uh, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So not only is uh, one of the tactics that the enemy uses us to cause us to doubt the word of God, uh, what he does is he tries to get, get us to question the authority and the veracity and the truth of the scriptures, but he tries also to get us confused as to what God is actually saying. See, that's where many of us are at. You probably aren't saying this morning, well, I don't know if the Bible's true. It might be true. But where many Christians are at is, is that actually what God's saying? Is that really what he's saying here? Is that what he meant? So there's two examples in the Bible where the devil tempted, tried to deceive. Um, both times, what did the devil use? He used God's word. He twisted it, but he still quoted it. Uh, and, and, and I want to just let you know this. I made this observation. You know what I'm talking about? Adam and Eve? You know Adam and Eve, right? If you don't know Adam and Eve, just ask Brother Norm. He actually knew them personally. And uh, no, I'm sorry, Brother Norm. But Adam and Eve, our father and mother, okay? Now, you didn't ooze up from the ground like some people want to say. There's no proof for that. It's far more, there's far more proof for creation. There's far more evidence for creation. I'm not saying that creation is actually science. Where it could be observed, tested, and repeated. Because unless, well, Brother Norm wasn't even there for that. 
He didn't observe creation. Nobody observed it. It's not something that we can reproduce. So we understand that's not necessarily science. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. Not everything has to be scientific to be right. Because something had to happen before we got here. There had to be a world for us to live in. And then uh, God uh, created man. Now, by the way, I just want to add really quickly. Okay? I said creation is not science, but neither is evolution. Okay? It cannot be observed. It cannot be tested. And it cannot be repeated. Macroevolution is not science. Okay? So I, I hope we understand that because as a Christian, as times get tougher and tougher, we just need to come to the point where we're just like, I believe in what the Bible says. It said we, we were created, okay? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, you weren't there, so we just got to take what it says. That's what he told us. That's what happened, okay? Um, <clears throat> but God created Adam. The Bible says he formed man out of the dust of the ground. Now, if we start getting full of pride and thinking that we're something when we're not, we need to just remember where we came from. We came from dust, and we're going to go back to dust, okay? But praise God, he created us with something very special that he didn't give to the zebras and the, the llamas and the lions and the tigers and the bears. He gave man a living soul. The Bible says he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And praise God for that, because although we're going to go back to the dust we came from, someday we're going to be up in heaven. At that time, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and Someday we'll get a new glorified body. Praise God for that. And when God created Adam, uh, he, uh, uh, there was not too long after that, he uh, formed Eve, right? He created Eve out of a rib that he took from Adam. And uh, Eve became Adam's helpmeet. And it uh, was a wonderful creation and wonderful help to Adam. But there came a day where Adam and Eve had to face uh, that great temptation to disobey God. And Eve was confronted by Satan. The Bible calls the serpent. Came and tempted Eve, right? And the serpent twisted what God had told her and Adam. The devil also tempted Jesus, twisting the scriptures. And I think that's pretty audacious for the devil to tempt and twist the Bible, the, the written word, to the very living word of God. I think the devil's got a few screws loose, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, we know that. There's a few wires touching that probably shouldn't be touching somewhere because he's so full of pride that he would actually try to take over heaven and he would try to tempt God. Uh, but here, both, here's my observation that I made. Adam and Eve, okay, Eve was, was tempted by Satan, twisting the scriptures. So was Jesus. Both of those human beings... One was God in the flesh, of course, but both of them perfect, sinless at that time. Is that interesting that both times when we see the devil coming to somebody, it's to a perfect person in that, in that sense. And the Bible says even Job, we know the devil came and tempted Job, tested him. But Job was a, a perfect man too, the Bible says. He wasn't sinless, but he was an upright man. The Bible says he, he, he eschewed evil. And uh, so uh, just because you're doing what's right doesn't mean the devil's going to leave you alone, my friend. So just keep that in mind. Uh, the devil comes and he tries to get us to doubt the word of God. And, and, and he uses many times, we see in the Bible examples of he'll use just a little bit of the truth, just enough of the truth. He'll use a smattering of the truth to make what he says seem legitimate 
See, the devil doesn't give you a, a 100% false, a, a, a lie, 100% lie. He gives you uh, mostly truth with enough lie to twist it. That's exactly how he comes to us. And how can you defend against these ridiculous distortions of the word of God. Many times the devil uh, will bring stuff to you. You'll be tempted. A situation comes up. An opportunity arises. And it looks good. And and it appears to be right. But we need to run those things. We need to put that that situation through the uh, the test of the word of God. Uh, All right? So what we need to do, and many times as we're reading scripture, and, and by the way, the devil doesn't leave churches alone. Did you know that? The devil doesn't leave preachers alone. The devil many times even comes in the form of a preacher of the gospel, in the form of a prophet. Many times he'll come uh, to you by way of television, okay? There's a lot of people sitting at home today, either on the internet, YouTube, or television. They're watching preaching. They're listening to preaching. Some of it good, but a lot of it is twisting of scripture, We've got to be careful because just because somebody uh, puts Baptist on their name doesn't mean they have the truth or they're telling the truth. Just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're telling you the truth. Just because somebody uh, uh, sounds good and, and smiles really nice and, 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 and has, uh, you know, seems to be, wow, they've got a big crowd, they must be telling the truth. Unfortunately, the bigger the crowd, you've got to kind of wonder, are they really telling the truth? Because most people don't want to hear the truth. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. Now again, that's not true in every case. Know some uh, good churches out there that are bigger churches, and they're telling the truth. Praise God for that. But I'm just telling you, number one, this is what we can do to help us decipher whether what we're hearing is right or wrong. Does Scripture compare to other scripture scripture we need to always study scripture in the light of scripture we can't just take one little verse oh take that verse and boy that's my life verse and we don't even know what the rest of the passage is saying and we're just going to live by that one thing and uh, we many times can get so misdirected by taking scripture out of context we need to study the Bible in light of the entire Word of God. We need to study a passage in, in context. Number two, study the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. You know, see, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. See, they had the Old Testament first, and it was foreshadowing what was going to happen in the New Testament. Amen? Now, they don't disagree with one another. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Write that down if you don't have that. You never heard that before. That would help you to understand. We need to read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Some people say, ah, I'm not going to read the book of Leviticus. Ah, I'm not going to read the book of Exodus or Genesis. Well, there's some great truth if we would just take the time to study those books out. I enjoyed uh, being a part of the tabernacle class just a few months ago. There's a lot of things that were in the Old Testament that uh, most in the class had never heard of. And, and how the tabernacle is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. And many times we miss out on those wonderful things because we think, well, it's just a dusty old part of the Bible and I don't need to read that. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, the genealogies do trip me up sometimes. I'll be, I'll be completely, frankly, honest with you. But they're there for a reason. Every word of God is important. Okay? Okay, uh, another thing we need to do is we need to study the Gospels in light of the epistles of Paul. See, the Gospels are important. But if we don't uh, take the epistles then we won't have the theological and doctrinal understanding of the life of Christ. See, the, the, the Gospels are a narrative talking about the life of Christ. A lot of good truth there. It's all important. But then Paul and others, Peter took, and John, took time to, uh, to explain to the early Christians what Jesus was saying, what was going on with the life of Christ. What was it all about? And a lot of important theological conclusions are made in the epistles. So we need to read the entire scope of Scripture. Not just take one thing here and one thing there. Take the entire Bible. It's a book. It's a book. It should be read read in context. And now if the enemy, if the devil can get us to doubt the authority of the Word of God, and he can do that very cunningly, he's very smart. I've always said the devil has a Ph.D. in anthropology. He understands humankind. He knows sociology, psychology, all of those things. The devil understands you better than you think he does. And so he's very cunning and deceitful. We need to be careful that we're not tripped up uh, by uh, the fiery darks, as Ephesians 6 says. He's got many things that he throws at us. Uh, he deceives and he distracts and he tries to destroy us as Christians. And, and, and he throws us fiery darts. But Paul said in Ephesians Ephesians 6, we need to hold up that shield of faith to quench the fiery darts. Uh, We've got the word of God. The Bible says every word of God is pure, Proverbs 35. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. When we put our trust in God, you might say, well, I I need more proof that the Bible is real. I need a sign that God's real. I need need more more proof of, of this. Everything... In regards to God, His Word, salvation, it all requires faith. God demands faith. And my friend, whenever faith is required, doubt is a possibility. we got to understand that, that there is a possibility we can begin to doubt God. When we stop living in faith. See, if we stop, saying, stop going forward by faith, see, you got saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, it had nothing to do with you. You had to put your trust completely in Jesus, in God's plan, in God's way. But when we get saved, and then we're so thankful, praise God, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about hell anymore, and I'm a child of God, and things are great. Yes, life can be difficult as a Christian, but boy, it's such a blessing when you know Jesus. You're not worried about some of these, uh, these things in life as much now, because you realize at the end of the day, God is my Savior. Heaven's my home. And I don't have to worry about that anymore. And that's the most important thing. And got it settled. Praise God for that. But very quickly, sometimes as Christians, we begin to go back to our old ways of living for ourselves and living in the flesh and living in fear and doubting God because we're not going forward in faith. See, and many right now you're like I wish I could do it I wish I could do it but the thing is when God tells you to do something and the Holy Spirit convicts you to do something you say no now you're not living in faith you got to go back to the point the last time that you told God no that's where you need to go back to you say I don't want to go back there because I don't want to do it it's as simple as it gets because it's a life of faith it's a life of faith and it has to be lived by faith When God speaks to you, 
You got to listen to them. I'm not saying when the preacher speaks to you because I don't know what you need. I don't know what's going on in every corner of your life. But the Holy Spirit does and God loves you. And he knows what's best for you. And he's molding you if you let him mold you. Now, so if you start resisting God, there's going to be some problems. So um, if the devil gets us to doubt, doubt the authority of the Bible and we begin to think, well, is that what it's actually saying? You know, we might say, well, I know it's the word of God, but is that what it's saying? Is that really what it means? Well, if he can get us to doubt the Bible, then he can get us, number one, he can get us to neglect reading the Bible. See, if you don't, if you don't think that the, televi- or the news channel, whatever news you watch, if you watch news or whatever newspaper you might see out there, the Journal or the New York Times or the USA Today, which I have not read a newspaper in so long, but if, if you think, well, you know, they're not telling the truth, it'd be kind of silly for you to read it then, right? And thinking that you're getting the truth. Well, I'm just going to give them another chance. You know, they've lied to me my whole life, but I'm going to listen to them one more time. Now, if you doubt the veracity of the newspaper, you really aren't going to believe what it says, and you just probably aren't going to read it. Now, if you go to the airport, you're going to watch CNN probably. I think that's the only channel that they have on at the airport. And if you don't believe CNN, you may watch it just because there's nothing else to do at the airport. But the whole time you're going to be, if you don't believe what they're saying, you're going to be critical of what's going on. You're just going to, and there's some people that come to church like that. They're drugged to church and that, ah, I don't believe it, but I'm here. I'm going to listen. But you know, God can't, God's not able to work in that situation. He, he's not, because, because you're not letting him. I believe there needs to be us allowing God to do something. If we resist him, well, we limit God. See, we've got to trust him. Number one, if we, don't, if we begin to doubt the authority of the Bible, we will neglect reading the Bible. If you don't believe something, you don't listen to it, you don't read it. Number two, we'll fall out of fellowship with God. See, we'll fall out of fellowship sometimes with the church, but... We fall out of fellowship with God many times before we even fall out of fellowship with the church. See, we, we go to church to keep up appearances many times. We don't want people thinking that we're a bad Christian, you know. What does it matter what, what you think and what I think? But yet we're so worried and so preoccupied with convincing others that we have a life in line with the Lord that we can many times be, be out of fellowship with the Lord by going to church. Because we doubt the Bible. See, if you believe the Bible, you obey it, and you're in fellowship with the Lord. You see the, 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 the uh, necessity and the benefit of reading the Bible and obeying the Bible, that you won't neglect it, and you won't be out of fellowship with God. But if you doubt Him, if you doubt the authority of Scripture... You'll do those two things, and lastly, you'll begin to doubt your salvation. See, my friend, the assurance of your salvation is intrinsically tied to your faith in the Word of God. See? Many times people will say, well, I'm doubting my salvation. Some people count and say, well, did you, did you pray a prayer? Yes. Did you feel something? No. Maybe I'm not saved because I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I wasn't crying when I got saved. You know, lights didn't flash and bells didn't go off when I got saved, so I must not be saved. So my friend, your assurance should not be in the experience, but rather, as the scripture tells us, our faith should be in the authority of the scriptures. If God says it, he will keep his word. 
See, if you're saved, your, your assurance comes from your faith in the Bible, not your faith in experience, because experiences change. Feelings come and go. See, there's days I don't feel saved, but then I just go back to the Word of God and say, what does the Bible say? Holy Spirit will always take you back to the Word of God. He's not going to go back to experience. He's not going to go back to, uh, well, how did you feel about that? See, that's the psychiatrist on the couch. How did you feel about that? The Holy Spirit says, what does the Bible say about that? See? Many times we, we go back to our flesh. We go back to the shallowness, the feeling. Oh, I, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like this. But that should never be the gauge. Rather, what does the Bible say? See, we begin to, when we doubt the Word of God, we'll neglect reading it. We'll fall out of fellowship with God. And then we'll begin to doubt our salvation. And guess what? We are the unhappiest Christian you've ever met. And the devil's over in the corner laughing and smiling. And, uh, and he, in a sense, has won a victory. In 1985, for the first time in more than 50 years, Congress authorized the issue of official U.S. government gold coins. Beginning in 1986, these new coins came out on the market. Each of these, as they're called American Eagles, as they are known, was guaranteed by the U.S. Mint to contain the stated amount of 22, pure 22-karat gold. And uh, people from around the world trusted these coins because they were backed by the word of the U.S. government. Now, do you have any reason to doubt the money that you have in your pocket? Maybe. <laughs> you know, this is money. It's not necessarily many times gold. You have paper money. But even if you have gold, somebody could have, you know, uh, made, made that gold coin, uh, cut it with something else. Maybe it was mostly steel and with a little gold co uh, coating. It's not really solid gold. You could get deceived. I could get deceived. I understand that uh, we many times realize that there's a possibility of deception, but we put a lot of faith in the government. We put a lot of faith in what somebody says, but yet we, when it comes to scriptures, we have something far more reliable than the guarantee of government. We have the promises of Almighty God that he says this is his word. It's perfect. It's pure. God promised to preserve his word. The Bible says in Psalm, 1, or Psalm 12, 7, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thy words. Uh, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So that means according to the promises of God, we can have complete faith in every word of scripture we don't have to wonder is this the truth now again it requires faith it requires you trusting it putting your uh putting uh putting your as they say your money where your mouth is and actually following through if you believe it then you actually have to listen and follow and obey right Every word of God is pure, and he is a shield to them that put their trust in him. Oh, my friend, this morning, if you're beginning to go down that direction, go down that road of doubting the scriptures, oh, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, the Bible's not true, the Bible's not true, the Bible's just an old book, it's, it's not, it, it, it doesn't apply to today. I don't care what some little alderman in Milwaukee says. That didn't shake my faith at all. In fact, that probably strengthened it a little bit more, because I understand the when you actually look at how things are going in this world and the so-called authorities and the people running everything, 
when they're going against the Bible and you see how, you know, the, as they say, the proof is in the pudding, well, we're, this world's a mess. Hey, we got a lot more information and a lot more um, advancements in technology, which is awesome to live at this time. But at the same time, it's not, it's not getting better morally. It's not getting better uh, sociologically. People are at one another. People are confused. People are committing suicide. People are murdering one another. We, and I don't have to tell you, you might be saying, I didn't come to church to hear about that, Pastor. I came to church to get away from that, which I understand. But you understand that this world is falling apart. It's not getting any better. And the people at the wheel of the world, the people that are so-called authorities and the people that are running the place, if they're telling me, oh, the Bible is an old dusty book. It doesn't matter. It changes. It's not as relevant. We're with the program. You need to get with the program. You need to get hip. You need to be progressing. Hey, my friend, I'm not going to go the direction they're going. That's a very good reason. Just following logic. Just following logic. If they're going that direction, I'm going the other direction. Okay? Just logic. See, I've always wondered, why in the world can't we just put two and two together? You see, God got thrown out of the public schools in 19, the early 1960s. They threw out the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses. Uh, and, and, and yet, things are not getting better. Maybe, maybe we could just try it for a few days. Just give it a couple days, uh, maybe a week, okay? Let's put God back in the schools 100% and just see what happens. Now, my friend, the hearts of men is what needs to change. We can't legislate people back into God, uh, into morality. You will never work. That never has succeeded, okay? I mean, we could, we could just stamp the world, and, like Constantine, and just say, well, everyone's a Christian, that didn't solve anything. In fact, that caused more problems, okay? What needs to happen is the hearts need to change. Hearts need to change. Starts right here in the church. Starts right here. Because if we don't believe the word of God, we don't do what it says, why could we expect anyone else to believe it? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And whether I believe it or not, it still settles it. God said it, okay? Let's stand as we pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you bless this day. Thank you for all that you've uh, helped us to understand here this morning. I pray that you'd convict us. Just get our lives in line with your word. Lord, help us to be... Uh, we, we talk so much about revival. We have no clue what revival is. That's, uh, in, in, in what we call something spectacular and something uh, unusual... God, you said that's how it should be all the time. But help us, Lord, not to beat ourselves up over that and not to be uh, uh, depressed about the situation in the world, but rather, Lord, help us to realize we can't change anyone else except for ourselves, but we can submit to you. Help us to do that. Help us to get ourselves in line. And if all of us do that, Lord, you will do greater things. But work through us today. Lord, help us to submit to you. Give, help us to give us all that we have just to be obedient, Lord, that's all you ask from us. Even in witnessing, many times we, we think, well, we've got to lead everyone to the Lord. But Father, you gave, us the, you gave us the command to go, but again, not everyone's going to choose. Not everyone's going to get saved. Help us to realize we have to just do what's right for ourselves, for our families, and for our church. In Jesus' name I pray.